As I've said before, as we near the end of the, of the liturgical cycle, which we have 34 weeks in our normal liturgical cycle, we get to speaking about the end of the world and the last things, death, judgment, heaven, and hell. And so we have in our gospel today in Luke chapter 20, this story of these Sadducees coming to Jesus to try and entrap him in his own words. I think it's good for us to understand who the actual Sadducees are. Sadducees are an elitist group uh, in the temple and also kind of politically and economically as well. They're fairly wealthy, um, and, but they're also the leaders in the temple as well. And the reason that they're wealthy is because they don't believe in the resurrection, so they believe that everything, every blessing that they will ever have is in this life. And so they... And so they try and gather as much wealth and everything like that in order to receive, in a sense, their blessings in this world because there is nothing that comes next. And so you can imagine that an idea of the resurrection, that there is a life after this one, kind of is contrary to what they say and contrary to the entire way in which they live. And so it's a huge challenge to their very belief system. And so that's why they struggle with Jesus. And that's why they struggle with the Pharisees. The Pharisees do believe in the resurrection. And that's why they have problems with Jesus' teaching. Jesus tells them to give away your wealth. He tells them that there will be a resurrection. He tells them that we live for the life to come and not for this world. And so there's much, much that they disagree with in, in all of this. If you're ever wondering what the difference between the Sadducees and the Pharisees are... Just remember what my mother told me. The Pharisees believe in the resurrection, but the Sadducees are sad, you see, because they don't believe in the resurrection. You will never forget that now. But I think as we talk about the resurrection, there's, even in our world today, you can imagine the the difficulty in belief in, in, in in the times of Jesus when this resurrection was kind of this idea that was first being uh, talked about. But even today, there is this kind of, uh, not necessarily a disbelief, but a huge misunderstanding as to what the resurrection actually is. And so I want to talk about that a little bit. The Sadducees are coming at Jesus with this... The Sadducees also, as they are kind of leaders in the temple, only believe in the Pentateuch as revealed scripture. So the first five books of the Bible, that's the only ones that they believe as revealed scripture. So in Jesus' wisdom, knowing who they are, the Sadducees come at him with this teaching in the Pentateuch, talking about in order to uh, allow a... A son, allow a brother or allow a man to retain the land that he possesses. And the land, remember, is important for the Israelites because it's the land that God has given them. In order for them to retain that land, if a brother dies, the next brother in line was meant to marry the wife in order to provide a child so that the land would continue in that, in that family name. And so that is what the Sadducees are bringing up to Jesus. They're bringing up that teaching, teaching which is in the Pentateuch. And I forget exactly where. But Jesus brings up this idea that uh, at the time of Moses, and and Jesus says that the dead will rise, even even Moses made known in the passage about the bush, when he called out, Lord, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And so Jesus is going back to the book of Exodus around uh, chapter 5, I believe it is, and, um, and he's calling out what Moses speaks about. 
And Moses is talking about this current God of Abraham, God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. If, if Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were completely gone and buried and, and there was nothing left of them and, and there was no resurrection, then why would he talk about them as if they are living, the God currently of Abraham? He would have said, he sh- it should actually say, God, the, the, the God who was the God of Abraham or was the God of Isaac and was the God of Jacob. But if they're still living, they're currently still their God. And so he uses the, uses the Pentateuch against the Sadducees in his wisdom to be able to fight against what they are trying to do. But the, the resurrection is, the, is kind of a, an idea that, that we struggle with even today. And, and there's this common kind of idea that, it, that spreads that when someone dies, they become an angel. And we want to make sure that we never fall into that trap because that's not who we are as humans. And you'll see it all, all the time. You'll hear it all the time that, oh, my, my grandparents passed away. Heaven gained another angel today. But that's really contrary to, very much so, to our resurrection. It's very contrary to our faith. It's contrary to who we are as humans. And so we never want to get caught up into that trap and, and, and say that thing. So what is the resurrection exactly? The resurrection in its mystery, the only thing that we can actually really gather from it is what we gain from the resurrection of Jesus. No one else has been resurrected except for Jesus, so that's where we get all of our information. When we see the resurrection, we see that the body and soul rise together. So when Jesus appears to the apostles, not only can they know him, but they also don't know him at the same time. Remember the stories of the resurrection where there is this mysteriousness in, in, in the way in which they see him. It's not until he speaks or it's not until in some way he reveals himself that they finally recognize him. For instance, in, actually in the last chapter of the Gospel of Luke, the, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus don't recognize him until the breaking of the bread. They don't recognize the resurrected Jesus until then. And so there is this there is this mystery behind the resurrected body. We, rec- we know that the body actually has three characteristics when it rises from the dead. And these are the things that St. Thomas Aquinas gleans from the scriptures in order for us to understand the resurrection. Those three characteristics are that it has its identity, it is entirety, and its immortality. So in Jesus' resurrection, he has his identity. They know that it's Jesus it is an entirety, it's not just a portion of his body, but the entirety of his body, his whole body, that, that, is, that is risen. And it's immortality, meaning that it lives forever, it cannot die. Once the body rises, it does not die. But then, St. Thomas Aquinas goes on to talk about the transcendent qualities of the body as well. And there's four transcendent qualities that are applied to a resurrected body. The first is impassibility, which means that it has... It's, uh, it's free from physical evil, death, sickness, and pain. And so it that, ties into that immortality that, that there is nothing that will actually kill the body once it, is, once it is resurrected. We are permanently in heaven with God. The second quality is its clarity. It's freedom from defects and an endowment with beauty and radiance. So the, the body is perfect when it, is, when, it, when, we, when it rises from the dead. There is no defect whatsoever. It has agility, whereby the, whereby the soul moves the body and there is freedom of motion. So as we live in this world, 
our soul is subject to where our body goes. Wherever our body goes, our soul goes with it. So, our, uh, so in some way, our, our, soul has, our soul is subject to whatever our body does. And what's meant to happen is that our body is subject to our soul. Meaning that where our soul goes, that's where our body goes. And so that's what actually happens in eternal life. And so that perfection of, of the impassibility and the clarity and then that agility, our, wherever our soul wants to be, wherever God desires for our soul to be, our body goes along with it. And so our body is subject to our soul at that moment. And then finally, the fourth transcendent quality is what St. Thomas calls subtility whereby the body is completely spiritualized under the dominion of the soul. So when we see Jesus coming back and when Jesus appears to the apostles, his body is able to actually pass through doors and things like that. So it's completely spiritualized, even though the physical body is there. It's kind of uh, these cool things that we see of what our body will one day have as well. When we rise from the dead... These are the things that our body, when it is united to our soul once again, will be, able to, will be able to have. Now, contrary to that, if we go to hell, we will have identity, entirety, and immortality. So we will still be ourselves in hell. The entirety of our body is still there, and it's still, Im- it's still immortal, meaning that we will suffer hell forever. But what we don't have is we don't have those transcendent qualities, we don't have the impossibility, the clarity, the agility, and, and the subtility. And so we have this constant condition of suffering in hell. That's why in this life we strive for eternal life. We, in everything that we do and everything we say, everything that we think, everything that we do, we are striving for heaven. We don't want to suffer for eternity. We want to live in that perfection that God desires of us. So you can understand kind of why the Sadducees have such a struggle with Jesus. The resurrection is a hard thing for us to grasp. And it's really only revealed to us by Christ himself, the fullness of what that resurrection is going to look like. So, But may we always live for the resurrection. May we live for Christ in everything that we do, everything that we say, and everything that we think. May it always glorify our God.